All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Friday, June 16th edition of Daily Faceoff Live, just over two weeks away from the opening of free agency. And next week, you will begin to hear some more trade talk and news as teams wrap up their pro scouting meetings this week. Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live, brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. He's former NHL netminder, current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, did you survive your trip to Vegas? I did. You know what? A few people tried their best to put me down, but I managed to get to bed, and my flight was only a little delayed. So I got about three hours of sleep, played hockey, and here we are. Ah, love to see it. Uh, let's start two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. A lot to get to, including a breakdown of our latest top 50 free agents list, which you can find now on dailyfaceoff.com. But first, let's start with some news from Thursday. Jesper Bratt staying in New Jersey. And while they had their press conference today to talk about Jesper Bratt signing an eight-year, $63 million extension with the New Jersey Devils, which perfectly slots him under Jack Hughes in their salary cap structure. Their GM, Tom Fitzgerald, said this morning that uh, he's been told uh, that Timo Meyer is also interested in an eight-year extension with the Devils. We'll see if that Meyer contract extension could throw that Devils salary cap structure out the window. But, Mike, a second consecutive 73-point season for Jesper Brad, a sixth-round pick who will not be denied. You cannot tell this guy... No, he's not an excellent NHL player. 
And what I like about Brat's game is that it's just the goal scoring factor is revved up in the last year. You know, before I think when I watched him, I thought this guy's got really good game feel, good playmaker, shoot the puck, poor man, you do pretty well. And he did score 32 times this year. And it's also because he's growing with his line mates and his teammates. Like Brat's a top six player in this league. When you've got two centermen like Hughes and Heischer, it starts to look pretty good. What I like about this, Frank, is it's basically going to give the Devils Four players locked up for the long haul, maybe five if you get Meyer mixed in as well. You're going to have Hughes, Heischer. They're both on really team-friendly deals. They took a risk to make those deals, right? Mm-hmm. They're a bit of a gamble. Hughes at eight mil, Heischer in the seven range. But Bratz is a fair contract for him, I think. I do just wonder down the road, Frank, if at some point, does Brat or even a Dawson Mercer have to become trade bait as more players come through? Because I know they're not worried about that now. But Mercer's deal is not going to be cheap either, and he's an RFA this year. So um, I like the deal. I think it's good for now. Uh, it's just down the road. You wonder where the Devils are going to go because they got some big-time prospects coming through with contracts. Yeah, and you also didn't mention Dougie Hamilton, too, on the back end, and that Nine monster bucks. deal that's on the books. Yeah. Um, Brad is a guy, you mentioned the goal-scoring capability. A lot of people, though, had question marks coming through this year's playoff run saying, as an undersized guy, can he be an impact player in the playoffs? What do you think? I, I think he's got to grow into it. This is the first year in the playoffs for this team, and, and we've seen undersized players perform well, plenty well before. I do think that is an element that's got to grow. But if you can flank his game with a Timo Meyer, you know, for the long haul, I think it takes some pressure off Brat to be that guy. Yeah, I agree. I, I think obviously the jury is still out. And more than mm-hmm. that, I just have complete confidence in his path to this point. An unheralded player who even last year, the team basically took him to the wire in R before settling on a new deal And that one-year deal essentially ended up costing the New Jersey Devils a pretty significant chunk of change now on the salary cap hit. I bet if we were to go back one year in time that Brat would have signed for somewhere on an eight-year deal in the 675 range. So they cost themselves probably an extra million bucks over the eight-year deal, eight million total at least, to basically say to him, go out and do it again which he then went and did and took the goal scoring to another level. So he's earned every cent of this deal. Other players like Jack Hughes that have the pedigree step in, get the eight times eight deal without even really doing much in the NHL to prove it. Brat didn't have that. And I love the story of him pushing through to get it. This is a major piece of business that's gotten done by Tom Fitzgerald and the New Jersey devils, but still Mike significant one lingering at least one in in addition to figuring out their goaltending situation, because He hinted today that they might, in fact, try and offer Mackenzie Blackwood a lower than qualifying offer deal to stay in the organization, which I ask where. But more to the point, the bigger piece of business is Timo Meyer and the New Jersey Devils electing, along with the Ottawa Senators, to take Timo Meyer and Alex DeBrinkett to arbitration. Basically, this kind of just kicks the can down the road and allows them to continue to negotiate and retain their rights. A smart play in terms of trying to seize back some of the leverage, but you heard Tom Fitzgerald, as I mentioned, say this morning that Meyer has reportedly instructed his agent to begin negotiating an eight-year deal to stay with the Devils. How much lower will that be than the qualifying offer that he's due? We'll see. Uh, AFP Analytics, who we work with to do those projections on contracts on our site, have Timo Meyer somewhere in the $8.6 million range on an eight-year deal. That would be north of Jack Hughes and a precedent to break 
And I'm not sure that the Devils want to do that. But what do you make of the Debrinket situation, Mike? That's the one I'm more interested in because yeah. it certainly seems like he's the guy that's going to be end up being on the move instead of signing a long-term deal to stay in Ottawa. Yeah, I think you're right on that. And just super quick on Meyer, it shows that people want to be in New Jersey again. So that's a really good thing for Tom Fitzgerald, however that shakes out. Now, when we're talking about Debrinket here, he doesn't want to be there. And Pierre Dorian already walked the tightrope once with Mark Stone. He almost went to ARB with him and they came together on a one-year deal at $7.3 million. Guess what? They lost Stone down the road and, and didn't have the same type of leverage if they would have made a deal at the time frame where Debrinket's at now, like a Matthew Kachuk. Arbitration type. almost always so, signals the end of the relationship. Dude, it's it's over. You're done if that happens. Like the only time that this has happened in the last 10 years that a, that a club elected arbitration has has actually <laughs> gone all the way through was Vladimir Saboka in St. Louis, 2014. All right. And that that went over like a fart in church, man. Like he was that he ended up in Europe after that. So I just the I think tasty that, fart in church. Way to go. Yeah. The pews don't like it, but like I, he's got to move to Brinkett. Like he's not kicking the can down the road. To Brinkett's not going to be there this year. If he does, he's not going to get anything for him. So uh, this makes it pretty easy. Like Find your destination, get him out of there, get him to Detroit or Dallas or wherever you need to. Because if you go one year further, Dorian's going to lose a lot of trade value on this player. I think he's already lost some compared to what he spent last year to get him that number seven overall pick. It's going to be almost impossible to replicate that. Can't ever fault someone for taking a swing, taking the bat off their shoulder yeah. and pulling. And I like that. Hoping that you could re-sign that guy, but it certainly seems like that's not going to be the case. And I wonder, Mike, is this possibly a blessing in disguise knowing what their cap structure might look like? How many $8 million players can one team afford? Yeah. And bottom line is to bring it worth it, man. Like last year, I don't think he performed like a player that thinks he's going to get 9 million bucks. He didn't at all. So uh, is he going to bounce back and score 40 again? Maybe somewhere else. But Ottawa's got some big time players, Pinto moving through, go on down the list that are going to need contracts. So I I, I feel you on that one, man. It's a tightrope, but it could be good for them long haul, especially if he never rebounds and finds his game despite having good line mates this year. Yeah, and someone's probably looking at this elsewhere and saying, this is a two-time 40-goal scorer that's in his mid-20s that let's get this guy in our organization. Hello, Detroit Red Wings. Uh, They can certainly use a scorer like that, by the way, from Michigan. Uh, Wanted to talk quickly a small news item that came up on Thursday that I found really fascinating, Mike, for the trickle-down effect, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning are set to sell a minority share of their team at an NHL record valuation of $1.4 billion. And so someone watching might say, well, okay, Frank, great. Tell me what that actually means for us. And the truth is it explains one that NHL business is booming. This is a record valuation that topples one that stood for just four days uh, in the Ottawa Senators sale to Michael Ann Lauer for a reported $950 million. Two, the Tampa Bay Lightning are a mid-market team valued by Sportico as the 15th most valuable in the NHL, previously at $910 bucks back in November. So to go from 910 to 1.4 is a huge swing. So what does that mean in the here and now? Well, it also means something for Michael Anlauer, as mentioned, who's buying the Sens, which I have a reason, I have a theory as to this is exactly why it ended up leaking out, this news, is that Anlauer holds a reported 20% stake in the Montreal Canadiens, which he must now liquidate 
in order to buy the SENS. You can't own two teams at once, you know, unless you're a private equity firm that has no say in the operation. Michael Enlauer is going to be the principal partner here. So he has to unload 20% in the Canadians. And if the Lightning are worth 1.4, then what does that mean the Montreal Canadiens are worth? Probably $3 billion. <laughs> yep. So, a lot of cake, man. <laughs> yeah. So basically, if you're boiling it down, two things, Mike. One, Michael Anlauer is going to recoup a significant chunk of what he's spending yep. on the Sens just getting back from the Habs. And two... This is an unbelievable investment for Jeff Vinnick, who if you're doing the math on the back of a napkin, he bought the Lightning in 2010 for $170 million. And yes, there's been some cash calls and investments and infrastructure things I'm sure that he's written big checks for along the way. But selling more than 20% of your team at $1.4 billion valuation means that you've collected all of that $170 million, put it back in your pocket, and now you still own 70-plus percent of this team with house money. Yeah, dude. It's gravy train from here. I mean, I was in the Tampa organization in 2008-9, and it was an absolute disaster. Len Berry, Oren Colas owned it. We changed payroll provider, providers three times because we were trying, they were trying to move money around. It's not just Vinick though. Like I think about this as the, the whole league, Frank, like, do we see more owners start to divest small portions like this? I mean, I think it's because a real it's question. So, well, because it's so valuable, you can still yeah. have some skin in the game. Look at today. They announced the Charlotte Hornets. Michael Jordan is selling his stake. He bought in at 275 million. It's now worth Three billion. Yeah. Well, that's a guy who needs more money. I get it. Yeah. He's cashing out though. <laughs> you 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 can still own some percent of the team and cash out. So just another reminder, Mike, for whenever the NHL decides to cry poor again in 2026 with the next lockout, that mm -hmm. there has been no better place on the planet for anyone to park their money than in an, a pro sports franchise. And it's a country club in the first place. You don't buy a team to make money on the back end. Like they do, I get it. And if you're you, writing you, checks anyway, if you let's say yeah. you're the Florida Panthers and you're Vinny Viola and you've been writing a $50 million check per year to float this team, it's just a nice tax write-off in the meantime. Sure. While the valuation yeah. is going up. Yeah. You get your money back in the from it anyway. You're in the country club, and yet the players' salaries pretty much flat man so let's get going Guess on what? that cba how many years down the road from now Woof. 2026 just man. saying not saying just saying and also a reminder too that in this flat cap environment the average league salary is still below what it was in 2019-20 pre-pandemic so yep uh yeah players playing, then. have gotten taken <laughs> to the woodshed Let's talk uh, Vegas Golden Knights. You're just back. Obviously, they're hoisting the Stanley Cup. They're not thinking about off-season mode. They're just coming out of their hangover. Uh, but, Mike, when you consider this team, what is their number one priority heading into the summer? Well, they got a couple things to figure out. But what's really nice for this club is that they're pretty whole as a roster, Frank. Like, I think realistically, looking at who they have now, um, they've, they've got about three point four million in cap space to work with and projected cap space next year. And we got to see what happens with Robin Leonard. Who knows? Uh, but that could be an additional five million and change. It could. So that's the wild card. But let's just, for the sake of it, say he's LTIR or they move his contract. Whatever. 
you, you're going to have two guys here that I don't think are coming back. I don't think they're going to be able to afford to have Ivan Barbashev back. And they've got players in Paul Cotter, Pavel Dorofeyev, who are knocking on the door this year that need to take those next steps. They're, they're safe bets in terms of their dollar cap, dollar figure. In goal is interesting, though, because they only have Logan Thompson under contract. And I don't think there's going to be an appetite to bring Aiden Hill back at over $4 million. And to me, Hill's comparable is actually kind of similar to Linus Olmark, who signed with the Boston Bruins four years, $5 bucks per you think after it's playing that 117 games. Let me explain why, though. Hill's played 113 games coming into this year. Olmark had played 117 games. And Olmark, yes, had played more minutes as what you would consider to be a number one, but this playoff run for Hill is going to up his value. So this guy's going to be a four million buck player. Like, here's my numbers on it. So if that's the case, this playoff run just proved to the VGK front office that goalies don't matter. I'm sorry, they used four of them. And Hill played phenomenal, man. I'm not taking anything away from him, but Logan Thompson's their guy. He's the guy they project in the future. The next two years, he's under $800,000. So I think Hill's gone. I think Barbashev's gone. I think they pick up Brett Howden as an RFA. I do wonder, though, is there any chance that this club takes a big swing this offseason, Frank? Or do you think they'd be happy to pretty much run it back with what they have? My guess is they're pretty happy to run it back. And I also think the trust factor with Aiden Hill, like, it's a nice thing to think you don't need a specific goalie because your D and your system are so good. But to then find out the hard way is also pretty difficult, right? So I think you're going to see. Yeah, but I think I could easily see Thompson and, and Brossois getting a contract at two million bucks or two and, and a half. Just have those two more. go forward and have Hill right off into the sunset somewhere else. I could see that happening because you're going to have Ottawa, Carolina. They're going to need number one guys or number one A's. He's right in that price range. Cup winner. You know how people like that. So I'm just spitballing here. But I think Thompson's their guy. And I think that they're less concerned about their number two. Wow. Uh, yep. Thompson on an unbelievable contract for the next yep. couple of years. Uh, I would imagine that obviously you look at Lauren Brassois, he cost a lot less. So, mm-hmm. uh, wow. Uh, interesting spot to be in for the Vegas Golden Knights. Speaking of contracts and dollars, let's dive into icebreakers with a breakdown of our new top 50 free agents board. And before we do that, Mike, if you've got a question for us and you're following along on the YouTube stream, throw it into the chat Hashtag AskDFO. We're going to get to your questions just on the other side of this chat. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Frank, I love how your icebreakers, how your board, your top 50 free agents board is just always in motion. You know, something's off the list and now we've got more. And that's why you got to keep tabs on it at Daily Face Off. Living, this thing breathing updated. list. That's right. So first one I got for you, we're only two weeks away from NHL free agency. That starts Saturday, July 1st. We will have a two hour special here at Daily Face Off. That means you got a new top 50 ranking out today and you've got a new number one. Come on down. Who is it, Frank? It is Dmitry Orlov of the Boston Bruins, as mentioned, working with AFP analytics on some contract projections. And he's now projected to have the highest AAV of any free agent that's still on the board. Probably not really a shock given how thin this defensive crop is in this free agent class. There's some thought lingering out there among agents and teams that Orlov could be approaching upwards of $8 million a year in an AAV. I think that's pretty high, but I also think this projection from AFP at five years times 625 is low. We saw Damon Severson, whose numbers were a bit south of that, end up at eight years times 6.25. And Severson, yes, of course, he's a little bit younger, but Orlov has showed in his brief time in Boston some offensive flair that he really didn't have Uh, When he was with the Washington Capitals, at least this season, he scored almost as many points in 23 games with the Bruins as he did in 43 with the Caps, plus added north of a point per game at eight points in their seven game series, their first round loss to the Florida Panthers. So Orlov, that sound you hear is him cashing in in what is a thin crop with the next guy available on the defense market is Ryan Graves. And then you have to go all the way down to number 17 or 18 with Scott Mayfield and beginning that next tier of defensemen, including guys like Matt Dumba and John Klingberg. So it's not a great year to be on the market for defensemen. And as much as the Bruins would have liked to have kept him, they're already in the process of trying to unload some other contracts elsewhere. And Orlov just isn't going to be able to fit. Yeah. When demand outweighs supply, Frank, that drives prices up. Hey, economics. That's that's that St. Lawrence education right there. That's it, man. I could do yield curves, demand curves all day. Well, 20 years ago, at least. So, all right. We just watched the Stanley Cup finals. There's definitely teams that are players that have upped their value. We talked about Aiden Hill. I think he'll be north of $4 million for sure. But who else do you think has upped their own contract level on this next one that they'll sign in the offseason? Yeah, just coming out of the Vegas Golden Knights, it would be Ivan Barbashev. He had a fantastic playoff run for the Golden Knights. You look here, 22 games played, 18 points. A guy that really had a scoring touch in St. Louis, now a two-time Stanley Cup champion, was a big part of that team's run uh, back in 2019. And when you look at um, Barbashev, a couple years ago, 26 goals, 60 points. The start of this year was incredibly slow for him in St. Louis, and people weren't really sure what to make of him. I think he's now taken off in a big way um, offensively, and that run proved that he's got 
some elements to his game that make him a really attractive player. So Barbashev has jetted up into the top 10 on our free agents list. He checks in at number nine. And I think a really, you know, dependent on price, of course, Mike, a sneaky good addition to a team that I think he's one of those guys that helps you win. Yeah, I agree. And he's, I tell you what, though, regular season Barbashev is different than playoff Barbashev. And you really saw this this year. You saw it with St. Louis when they won their cup in 2019 as well. But um, brings a physical element and he's got good hands around the net. So let's flip this over to a surefire Hall of Famer that we got some question marks about. Patrick Kane, he just recently underwent hip surgery. He might miss four to six months. Do you think he's going to sign somewhere right away on July 1st or is this a longer play? Um, I would think it's a longer play. Just in talking to some teams around the league, Mike, they were really surprised at the surgery path that Kane went down. The hip resurfacing surgery, I mean, you heard Caps GM Brian McClellan talk about it with Nicholas Backstrom. He can't move. He can't play. And he was basically like, this guy needs to either figure it out or or end his career, essentially, because he's not up to NHL snuff. And when you hear of... Uh, Patrick Kane's camp talk about getting this in-depth surgery so that he can then bounce back and rejuvenate his career. A lot of teams see it as a big question mark. They think that this might be one of those career enders. Instead of trying to fix something, it may have caused more trouble. That surgery is significant. You're actually like quite literally wearing down the hip bone, like grinding it down and the joint. It's an ugly labor-intensive rehab And I'm sure Kane's up to the task. No one's ever questioned his desire and competitive fire and love of the game. It's just that he was kind of a shell of himself in that first round series for the New York Rangers. Clearly the hip is an issue. And my thought process is if there's one team that's going to go out on an absolute limb and sign Patrick Kane's sight unseen essentially this summer, it would probably be the Buffalo Sabres, the hometown team Maybe you throw a couple million bucks at him when you have uh, tons of salary cap space, clearly for a team going in the right direction. Other than that, I think it's going to come down to Patrick Kane looking in November and December and saying, these are the teams that are off to a great start. I'd like to go chase a Stanley Cup there. And I think the teams are going to want to see Patrick Kane skating and get a view of that before committing what little cap space they have left to him. It would, regardless, if he waits until you know November or December to make a decision, almost all of that cap space is going to be spent. Teams generally spend 96 to 97% of all total available dollars, and that probably means that Kane's looking at a short-term, short-money deal to work his way back into the NHL. But as mentioned, Mike, it's a long road ahead. Yeah, bottom line, nobody's had hip resurfacing surgery and come back and been the same. Kessler didn't even play. Jovanovski, not the same. Backstrom, same way. Huge question marks. I'd want to see it too. So real quick to wrap this uh, a little bit down the road, we got some the unusual group six free agents out there. I got my eye on Joey Dacord, goaltender in the Seattle Kraken franchise, but you've got somebody else that may have some teams interested. By the way, side note, you mentioned the Kraken. They're also looking to move Chris Dreger. Uh, Probably not a surprise. Also coming off of significant injury. But on the Group 6 free agent front, we already saw Mikey Esamont re-sign with the Tampa Bay Lightning, a two-year deal. He was a pending Group 6 free agent. And Matthew Phillips of the Calgary Flames is another one who has, I believe, generated some interest on the market. Um, Look, you you take a look at his AHL numbers, 36 goals, 76 points. 
back-to-back years inside the top 10 in AHL scoring, someone who hasn't gotten a crack at the NHL level under Daryl Sutter, and really wants and is ready for an opportunity. The Flames want to keep him. Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska have a youth movement afoot, and they're trying right now to convince Phillips to stay, but because he hasn't gotten that shot and he's 25 years old, he is in line to become a total UFA on July 1st. It's the undersized five foot seven frame that's held him back to this point, at least in terms of a lot of teams believing he can be an impact NHL guy. But we've already seen small, undersized guys come through the Calgary Flames organization, Hello. go elsewhere, and block Marty, Marty St. Louis. Saint Louis. That would be one. So <laughs> if I were Matthew Phillips. I'd, I'd say it's hard now, given your run in the organization, to convince me, even with new guys, that I'm going to get an authentic shot. I'd like to see someone somewhere else step up and put some money on the line in a one-way guaranteed deal to take a chance on me, knowing that I'm going to get a real authentic opportunity. Take Craig Connery at his word. But to me, um, when I look at Matthew Phillips, I'm like, why not? Why wouldn't you give that guy mm-hmm. a chance? Clearly a talented guy. Has the well been poisoned? Fascinating stuff, Frank, as usual. Great job on this week's icebreakers. That'll wrap it for this segment. All right, Mike, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Thanks to everyone throwing some questions into the chat. I want to get to some cap stuff. Um, This is from Ivan Cool, who says, do the Caps trade for a star player this year? What do you think? Mm, oh. If they would, I thought it would be a deep, but they got a shed salary, right? I mean, they've got Wilson and Mantha that they got to worry about, I think. If, Maybe if they can do anything. that first, then get an impact player? That's what I would think. You got to clean a bit of house if you're going to do it. So I think it'd be a cascade effect if so. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I also think there's a push to try and surround Alex Ovechkin with as much talent as possible so that – while he's on this quest for the goal scoring mark, the mm-hmm. team is competitive and, and gets back into the playoffs. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you, you know what, Frank, too? I mean, we've just seen the Golden Knights win by being hyper aggressive. Who's to say teams aren't going to start copying this type of model? All right. This is from Buster Bennett. Uh, I want a yes or no answer from you, Mike. Does the Nashville Predators, do they trade UC Soros? No. I would tend to. What about you? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think they do. And I have no evidence yet so far that they've even entertained or engaged that idea. Last one from JB in Philadelphia. He says, back at the trade deadline, Kevin Hayes was a top five target on the last pod. It sounds like Columbus is targeting bigger fish. What happens with the Flyers and Hayes is a buyout on the table. I'll take that one, Mike. He's basically, I, I don't think the Flyers would buy him out. I don't think it makes any sense given the term remaining. Here's what I'll tell you, JB. The relationship is fractured between Kevin Hayes and John Tortorella. Everyone knows it. They've got to get him out of there. They're going and willing to reduce his uh, salary cap hit by retaining some money. Will someone step up with an offer that entices Danny Breer, who, by the way, talking to other GMs, seems to really be antsy to make some trades. So, JB, I would say Kevin Hayes, not long for Philly. Thanks to everyone who's watching on the YouTube stream and throwing questions into the chat. That brings us to garbage time, Mike. And I just wanted to share with everyone, I I had a chance to watch the Once Upon a Time in Anaheim. They called it a duck-umentary on ESPN+. Plus. That's cute. And uh, the whole thing is kind of cute, actually. It's funny you use that word. It should be. Because 
This is still a franchise that was founded based off of a movie and a Disney movie at that. And so it's a short documentary on ESPN+. Plus. I think it's well worth your time, 55 minutes. Where else can you get footage like this? Wild Wing just absolutely firing pyrotechnics into the crowd. I forgot, is 1993, first off, how long ago some of this is, and second, all the details behind Disney being involved and the pageantry that went with it, the Emilio Estevez duck calls. That's Steve Brill on the right, the guy who wrote the Mighty Ducks movie. I have um, one of those. It's I have one of those duck calls. It's an amazing story, Disney getting into the hockey business and kind of the success that they had too, this expansion franchise when the rules weren't as favorable. They got to the Stanley Cup final 10 years later in 2003, finally won it, although not as the Mighty Ducks in 2007. And Mike, I kind of wish they would go back to the early days with the Ducks, but some great footage in there of the players rolling through Disneyland, downtown Main Street on a parade float and people being like, that doesn't look like the guys from the movie. And it's like, no, no, it's that's Charlie a Conway. hockey team. That's a hockey team that's actually playing down the street in the real big boy NHL. So well worth your time to check it out if you have the opportunity on ESPN Plus this week. That tugs on my heartstrings, man. I mean, I was, I don't know, 10 years old when that came out. So I knew every character. I had the duck call. Those jerseys sold like hotcakes, man. That's that's a real trip. But it's just too bad that number two and three, those movies sucked so bad compared to the first one. Uh, I don't know. I was kind of a sucker for You're a little younger like than I am, though, Frank. Yeah, I was so wrapped age. up into, uh, into the Mighty Ducks <laughs> world. And also, you mentioned the merchandise. Uh, Disney made that the hottest selling merchandise of the entire pro sports world those first couple years, more than anything in the NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. The sad part for Disney, or if you can call it sad because it's such a giant conglomerate, they bought the Mighty Ducks for a $50 million expansion fee and sold them in 2004, heading into the lockout for 75 million. So I guess a 50% return on investment, but right now, the Anaheim Ducks, my guess, probably somewhere in that eight to $900 million range. So perhaps uh, getting out at the wrong time for Michael Eisner and Disney. Fire it up, Mike, if you have a chance, the documentary, and fire up the weekend, because that'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We'll be back Monday, 12 noon Eastern. Until then, have a great weekend and keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news around the week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.